the imagination is an organ of perception. In other words, you can you can navigate the world through through your imagination, not by imagining stuff, by but allowing your imagination to give you information. What we what 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 people call the imaginal world, which is a kind of sense making through imagining. So if we come to the if we come to the tentacular thinking, what uh, what Donna Haraway says, she says think it says we've got to learn to think with animals not about them. Hello and welcome to the Wild Minds podcast for people interested in health, nature-based therapy and learning. We explore cutting-edge approaches that help us improve our relationship with ourselves, others and the natural world. My name is Marina Robb, I'm an author, entrepreneur, forest school, outdoor learning and nature-based trainer and consultant and pioneer in developing green programs for the health service in the UK. You're listening to episode 23, Beyond Modernity, Ecosystemic and Tentacular Thinking. My guest today is Roger Duncan, an ecosystemic psychotherapist within the NHS. For over 30 years, he's worked within the nature therapy world, was one of the pioneer tutors of the Ruskin Mill Education Trust, is a wilderness passage guide and developed a UK-based ecotherapy course, Reclaiming Our Indigenous Relationship with Nature. This drew on a wide range of speakers and practitioners and is a course we all hope will run again in the future. Hi, Roger. Hi, Marina. (laughs) Welcome to the Wild Minds podcast. I always like to start with some gratitude. And before I started recording, I just took a moment and uh, tuned in, as we do. And what came to me is just to say that I'm really grateful for the teenagers that I have worked with and that I know now and just that time of life, to be around that time of life and to be around the turbulence, I guess, and the emerging young adults that they are, but just just super grateful to have had the opportunity to hang out with teenagers and learn with them and from them and remember my own uh, time as a teenager and yeah, grateful to have had that opportunity. And I wonder if you would share some gratitude or anything that's coming for you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Marina. I mean, I think I can echo that because I've worked with adolescents my whole life, and they do bring an edge to to everything, a quest, a questioning. And I'm really, you know, I'm really grateful of all those experiences I've had over many, many years. And also my sort of te- adolescent experiences of being challenged and forced to think differently, and being you know being forced to be more reflective by my experiences in nature and my experiences through life and that and those it's many of those things that have that have often been quite uncomfortable that have driven me and i've really i'm really grateful for that and i'm really i'm really grateful for being on your podcast and for all the work that you do because it's it's amazing yeah thank you i really appreciate it and i guess this brings me to wanting to ask you why you do the work you do because i've known you for many years and off and on and um i know that nobody does this work unless they care right whether and i so i'm really be interested to know why 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 do you do the work you do i mean maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing but but what is what's driving you un, un, underneath you know what motivates you i suppose my my motivation is that is that little rub it's like uh you know it's like the it's like the grain of sand in a in an oyster shell that um things aren't okay with the with our with the relationship between human beings and the, and the world and you know i got that experience pretty early on um i i, I remember i one particular experience i remember was being at being at um school and uh 
so the, the, a, a biro it was the early days but biros are quite a new kind of exciting thing in those days and we had a biro and it got it got trodden on the floor it broke and the teachers put it in the bin and for some reason i thought oh wait a minute that's that's not okay that's 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 a problem here there's a kind of there's a kind of what i would say now a kind of systemic dissonance or something between those those two things uh, and i've always felt that and and it, it's taken me you know quite a long time to get my head around what the hell that means and and um how to make peace with that and how to do my work with with that kind of uncomfortableness and and of course it's increased you know now it's it's every every day you know we hear things on the news and think yeah that's not okay and that's not just a borrower going in the bin that's something really big mm. um so that's what motivates me really so you're speaking about um noticing over a lifetime that that there are millions and millions of moments where we can see that something isn't working in mm. in our in our everyday lives like whether that's what we're throwing away uh or whether yeah whether we're just or, or just so many moments that don't feel that they're actually we're not living in a kind of way that is healthy i guess and it's a, and it's like a felt sense it's a kind of it's a felt sense yeah so I know that you're working within mental health, as I understand it. Mm -hmm. I think I think mm -hmm. uh, you're called an ecosystemic psychotherapist. <laughs> now that that sounds pretty fancy to me. I've heard of psychotherapists, and I and I um, have heard of psychiatrists and all this. But what mm -hmm. what does an ecosystemic psychotherapist mean? Did, is that is that is that an idea, or is it, have you coined that yourself? <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, I've partly coined it myself, but it comes from a different, it comes from come from different places, and it's it's part of a process of sort of uh, owning or net or uh, owning who I am and what what my position is, and it's not you know it's not a professional um, category of work, as it were. I mean, I am a, I am a systemic psychotherapist, and that is a professional qualification. I work in the NHS, I'm UKCP registered, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Um, and um, and I suppose bef what, what, while I was training and before I was training as a psychotherapist, there was this word eco-psychology that was around, which had a great ring to it. It felt like, wow, eco-psychology, that's, that's an amazing thing. Um, you know, and I read a lot of, there were some books out in the early days on eco-psychology. Um, and I sort of began to sort of orientate myself around that concept and as I kind of scratched the surface a little bit more, it became clear that it was an American word. So to be a psychotherapist in America, you have to be a psychologist. You have to, you have to study psychology first. So it makes sense in America to be an eco-psychologist. In other words, a psychotherapist who is including nature in their work. But again, it's not a professional, it's not a professional qualification. Um, and then having trained as a um, systemic psychotherapist um, and listened really to what was happening and sort of tuning into the UK, where's eco-psychology in the UK? Um, the word, the word uh, that Mary Jane Rust came up with was eco-psychotherapy, which is more of an anglicized version of um, eco-psychology. Eco um, and then as I, as, you know, as I got deeper into the work and I, and I explored the kind of boundaries of systemic psychotherapy, I realized there's this whole eco layer which doesn't, which doesn't get into the program. Um, so that's really what I've been doing for the last 10, 15 years or so, um, trying, to get the, trying to get that the eco element into the systemic. Because obviously when you go back to the, the beginning of thinking about systems, um, nature was was well nature can't be separate we can't be separated from nature so that nature has to be in there so we can't we can't be systemic psychotherapists without being eco psychotherapists actually otherwise we're 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 missing a big piece of the big piece of the the pie that's why i call myself an eco systemic psychotherapist because i'm doing eco i'm doing systemic psychotherapy in the nhs within all the the boundaries and and um uh, positioning that 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 requires, but I have in my mind, uh, in my backpack, as it were, 
ecosystemic thinking which influences my practice. Okay, well, let's let's unpack that a little bit because <laughs> I don't think I fully understand that, and I'm and I imagine uh, some of the listeners won't understand that. So, when you say systemic, immediately what comes to me is thinking, here I am, Marina, and I'm born into a family. And um, so, so are you saying when you say systemic uh, psychotherapy that we're looking at the influences of our our family and human relationships? Is that is that is that what you mean? And therefore, when you say eco systemic, are you saying okay? So now we're going to start looking at the influences of our wider culture, wider thinking around how nature or the natural world. Uh, impacts us and our psychology yeah i mean the the i mean uh, systemic uh family therapy as it's called um came out of um ideas from people like gregory bateson who were systems thinkers in the you know uh, back in the back in the uh, 40s and 50s i think or maybe and, and 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 later 60s and 70s um who came up with this idea that actually that actually the world is 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 made up of systems, and we need to think if we're going to understand the world because there, that was a, you know he came out of an early um, ecological concern really because his dad was a biologist and he was I think he was an anthropologist himself so it was a sense he, he had that sense of like wait a minute something's not quite right here so he uh, and a, and a few other people were involved in this idea of how do we think around systems um, and that was picked up by. Uh, psychiatrists, uh, psychotherapists, uh, who are working within the medical model, which is very much embedded in modernity uh, of, you know, I'm a doctor, I know what's right, I can give you some medicine to cure your illness, and then you can go back to work or go back to your family, whatever it was. Um, so that a group in, in, in Italy, in fact, picked up this work and went, okay, well, what does it, what does it mean to bring systems thinking into psychotherapy and really it the, the whole the whole of that the whole of that has grown out of that period so what that looks like as you say <clears throat> now so in, in the nhs or in private practice is that a systemic family therapist will look at um, influences within your family within your history but also your social and cultural context that are influencing your mental health or your or your or your concerns and that's the work that's the work that i do with adolescents in camps mm, okay that's really really helpful and i, I wonder because i want to look at the the eco side more in this in this talk to, you mentioned about biology and when i've read some of your work when you start thinking about biology you sometimes jump well, not not you, but one sometimes jumps to uh, science and uh, thinking about um, Darwin and the the survival of the fittest kind of model. And I'm wondering, you know, like when because you mentioned also the medical model and how people are, you know, are trained. I'm 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 in, I'm curious how people are trained to think in a particular way. Um, so that because I was I was taught that you know especially like studying ecology maybe in the early nineties or something that, that that it was about thinking about how different species need light or they need certain food and they were fighting to compete for everything yeah. mm -hmm. and and I wonder whether whether first of all do you think that that's even true because because I know we're thinking about system but we're given a story aren't we about the system. And about how things work, and I know you're really interested in story, and we may get a chance to look at that. But we get a story about um, the system, and and so, so and when if we're thinking about ecology or eco, uh, we're given a story too there, aren't we, about how things work? And and I wonder if you could just share whether you think if that's problematic at all. You know, the fact that most of us are told. Uh, that you know Darwin's idea of survival of the fittest is the way it works, and you're a biologist. You were a biologist mm -hmm. exactly. as well. Exactly. So I, I wonder if you could just share some of the thinking or the the way you've changed your ways of thinking about this uh, as well. Okay, yeah. So I, so you know I, because I was into nature when I was a kid, you know I studied biology uh, and thought, well, this you know this is really good. I can I can find out about the world. Um, 
and uh, but, but what I bumped into was that little grain of sand in the oyster going, oh, is this, what, there's something, there's something quite, what, not quite right with this. So, you know, so at university, for instance, we did experiments with pithing frogs, killing frogs to do an experiment so that the, we could see the nerve jump in their leg, which was, an, you know, which is an experiment that's done, I don't know, 100 years ago or whatever. And it was a sense of like, is that really that really okay? And and the and the the other one that came, the other one that had that kind of feeling was Darwinian evolution, the survival of the fittest. And so and so, because there was a sense that actually, there's there's yeah, that's there's there are strong elements of that are true, but there's also quite a lot of other stuff going on. Um, and I suppose what you know what I've what I've got to over many years thinking about this is. The idea that that you know the the survival of the fittest, Darwin's idea that it's a struggle to 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 survive, is embedded in what we call modernity. The idea of modernity, the idea that that that, that kind of permeates the Western world. That actually we're individuals. We've got to get on in the world. If we don't make it, we're going to fall by the wayside. That survival of the fittest thing, which which came out of really. Um, the Edwardian, Edwardian social system, which was the you know the beginning of capitalism, kind of ram, ramping it up. That actually, if you if you don't get ahead, you're going to get trampled underfoot, um, <clears throat> and that it's okay to trample people underfoot because obviously you're fitter, you're fitter, and all of right. that stuff. So it justifies it justifies it because you you are you are you've succeed you're succeeding. It's exactly. part of the natural, exactly. our natural right, or something. Yeah, exactly. You, you've right. survived, so you are fit, basically. So there's a there's 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 quite a lot of philosophical tautology in there. It's kind of it's kind of closed in on itself, but also that is one of the characteristics. That's one of the little little signals that we're that that's a that's a modernist idea. That actually, if we think about something enough, we're going to understand the world and actually thinking enables us to penetrate the world and understand it and eventually control it and make money out of it and it, uh, and if you can't do that then you're you're not really fit enough to be in the world and you, you get trampled underfoot so that that's that's the sort of story that's embedded in in um darwinian evolution and and, and you see and what's happening now is that's beginning to come to an end that story is beginning to break down the idea of continuous growth that we hear on the news and it is people are going well wait a minute that that's not going to work if we if we're thinking about this if we're thinking in a systems way which is how nature is organized then we can't just take stuff you know the the, the earth is finite we can't grow forever that's not going to work and, and and what's really clear now is it's not working but we don't have a better story, or, or most people don't have a better story. We're still stuck in this world. Well, we can grow out of this, or we can technologize our way out of this, or we can think our way out of this. And it's like, no, we're still stuck in that goldfish bowl of modernity, and we haven't really stepped outside of it. This is a call out to all you educators and health practitioners. Are you ready to revolutionize your career with outdoor learning? Don't let your practice become stale. You could be depriving your students or clients of life-changing outdoor experiences. Envision a world of possibilities, masterclasses, 120 instructional videos, and year-long session plans, all accessible at theoutdoorteacher.com slash certificate. Enhance your career and embark on an extraordinary learning journey today. And lastly, if you're based in the UK, why not immerse yourself in nature with one of my transformative trainings in the beautiful landscapes of Sussex? Discover more about our in-person courses at circleoflife.rediscovery.com. But it's really, really attractive, in it, isn't it? Because I'm not saying it's attractive when you look at all the disasters and you, you look at that lens, but when you look at like those that have succeed according to the story of modernity, you know, the ones that are actually have the houses and like, you know, ha have all the things, you know, the trappings, it is very, it is very attractive. And I'm struck by, oh, this idea that the culture I've been brought up in really promotes the individual and promotes, um, 
the kind of that you are on your own. Mm, you are mm. on your own. You know, that's that's why I think is there's so mm. much tension because we're almost we've we're, we're almost so immersed in that now that it does feel like I've just got to do what I've got to do for my family. You know, yes, I can help some friends, but that is it. I, I you know, like that's all I can manage, and and that's what I've got to look after. Even I don't think like that. I hope you know that. But 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 a part of me does. But a part of me does feel like that. You know, it's like that's the most important thing is is what belongs to me. You know, what's from my lineage or whatever, and 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 so that's quite scary because I feel like what you're beginning to talk about is. Well, there's a lot of other ways of thinking here. There's a lot of other co- models here. There are a lot of, and I, even I've said it, ways of thinking. It's not even thinking, is it? There's a lot of other knowings, understandings, deep, you know, that come from different cultures, different times, different that, that help us to see that it's not that we are in a story and we're creating the story. Is 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 that does that? Is that, am I am I feeding back what you're saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And again, a lot of the, and this is where we can, this is where we start to dive into the sort of, we move away from the sort of nature, nature connection, eco, eco psychology element into the kind of philosophical. That you know, there are a lot of deep, there are a lot of deep thinkers like uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger and uh, Nora Bateson who who are saying. Uh, yeah, well, the, the narrative's collapsing. The Western, the, the the Western modernist narratives, the story that we we've you know absorbed through the whole of our education, through the whole of our lives, and our parents and our grandparents had as well, is actually collapsing. And we don't have we don't have another one because no one's told us what it is. Yeah, although there are stories around, but you have to you have to dig a little bit deep within modernity to find them because they're seen as not fit they're kind of they're kind of marginalized so so this brings us into the sort of decolonization element is that there are you know many many thousands of indigenous cultures uh which have run a different story for thousands and thousands of years because they're tuned in to thinking systemically although they wouldn't say that but uh, and they've learned that because they're looking at nature in a different way they're not looking at nature through a Darwinian, you know, rose-tinted glasses. They're, 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 they're experiencing nature in a different way. And also they're not thinking about nature in the way that we do in the West. And that is a, you know, that, that's, that's a tricky one because actually how do you engage in something without thinking about it? Because thinking is embedded <laughs> in this whole modern, the whole, whole modernist project. I think you need to say that question again, actually, because I think that's a that's a million dollar question, and that's the wrong way of saying it as well. Million dollar <laughs> question, but uh, it, you know that is like how do you engage with it coming from a Western modernity lens? How do you engage with it without thinking about it? Well, I mean, this is something that I've been exploring a lot in in my in my writings, particularly in my book uh, Nature in Mind, and and but it's come through it's come through. Um, systemic psychotherapy and, and a few a few other a few other angles as well um which is that uh the western world in other words that you know all all, all, our, all our folk who are in the living in the west living in modernity um have only been taught one way of engaging with the world which is thinking mm, um, absolutely uh, and there's and there are other ways there 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 are, there are other ways there are older ways more indigenous ways and more uh, and more indigenous even indigenous European ways of thinking about the world which are which are more more sophisticated but actually a little bit more difficult to access. Mm. Well, of course, I want to ask what they are. So maybe we'll let let let's go back. Let's let's make sure we at least touch on one or two yeah, ideas. We'll come, we'll come back to that one, maybe. We, we, yeah, one or two ideas. But um, I've got this word going on in my brain that has come from your writing, uh, and it's and I hope I've got it right. But it's tentacles or something like that. It's like tentacle. Take what, what is it? What, what's Tentacular. the word? I'm, Tentacular. tentacular and the reason why mm-hmm. i say tentacles is because i'm reading a book uh, at the moment called octopus is god an octopus right okay, okay. <laughs> uh, which is a quite a moving book but um basically i loved tentacular i mean these words can be very 
hard to to get your head around. But when I thought of an octopus, you know, or when I thought about uh, you know, how these things connect is this idea that everything is connecting and, and the way you've just started to describe a different way of thinking, a systemic way of thinking where it isn't linear, right? It isn't one thing happens and the next thing happens and the next thing happens. It's like in that moment, there are multiple things happening, aren't, aren't there? There are multiple in, inputs, uh, outputs, uh, responses, and, and we cannot exist, as you say, without whether we're conscious of them or not, they're all operating. And I, and I think you in your writing said something, of just giving a very simple example, which I think is helpful, is the idea that, you know, here I am, I might make a plate of food or something, and this is my words. And, and of course, to make that food, everything around, you know, those multiple kind of, I don't know, kind of I'm imagining threads that connect to so many things, both land, people, um, and beyond that enable me to have that food, right? Is that is that the idea of this tentacular thinking? Yes. Or is it, at least have I got some of it? No, definitely, definitely. And the I mean, the idea I picked up the idea from uh, Donna Haraway. Yes, Donna Haraway. I have I have a book from hers from about twenty years ago about cyborgs yes. or something. But exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this this is from a, 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 a I think it's her most recent book, Staying with the Trouble. Staying and with the trouble, and, and it's quite difficult to read because she's she's describing a world outside of modernity, um, and so this is where we get to the thing about thinking and not thinking. So part part of the way out of the thinking is to use our imagination, and we tend to think in the West because of our mo- modern lens that imagination is fantasy. You know, if you're you know you're imagining something, you know that's what you get told in school. Don't make it up. You're imagining something. Whereas actually, what 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 uh, people have known for a very long time, which is kind of being suppressed somewhat, is the imagination is an organ of perception. In other words, you can you can navigate the world through through your imagination, not by imagining stuff, by but allowing your imagination to give you information. What we what 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 people call the imaginal world which is a kind of sense making through imagining. So if we come to the if we come to the tentacular thinking what uh, what Donna Haraway says she says think it says we've got to learn to think with animals not about them. So when we think about an octopus we think well it's a cephalopod it's got eight legs it eats this it lives this that lives in the sea blah 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 blah, blah. Facts, um, facts 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 and we go got it i know everything there is to know about i've got a massive book on octopuses <laughs> i know everything there is i know every species of octopus yeah. in the world yeah done done what she's what she says is we've got to think with the octopus in other words the image of the octopus becomes a way of imagining how the world works so, so if you've you know, if you've ever tried to if you've ever seen a film of someone catching an octopus or trying to catch an octopus, what happens is when you, if you hold the body of an octopus, all its legs will go into little holes and it will hang on and it will pull and it will change colour. Um, so it's so it's you, you feel like you've got hold of something, but actually it has a lot of tentacles. So that's that's an imagination of an octopus, and that's that's what systems thinking is. So when you, you know, we put petrol in your car, um, there's petrol in the pump, you pay the person in the garage, you can drive your car, fine. But were there tentacles from those things into the whole petrochemical industry, pollution, the exhaust coming out of the car, <clears throat> the rubber that's, that's getting worn onto your tires, that's going into the atmosphere, the non-recyclable parts of your car, um, Traffic congestion, air pollution, etc., etc. Metal mining, aluminium mining, bauxite, open cast bauxite mining, indigenous land rights. Uh, everything you know. The fact, the fact that the fact that Henry Ford didn't allow any um, trade unions and actually had his workers shot when they complained about their wages. You know, that, it's a, it, it's a, it's an octopus. It's, it's an got octopus. loads of tentacles, and actually, that's. That's quite difficult. That's quite. It's quite challenging to think about that because actually you can apply it to everything. It is challenging, and we could go down and may very well go down. Uh, uh, you know, thinking again about the absolute impact of 
the way we have in the West exported, and it's not just exported, it, it's, uh, it's um, through violence, uh, exported many, 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 many of the ways that we think, right, and operate. But I just want to pause there for a second because I want to think about that it must be true, and please tell me if it isn't, that that whilst whilst you've so well described how everything is linked and the the uh, and exists simultaneously in a way when i'm putting that petrol into my car all the other exist it's happening at the same time um i'm i'm also wanting to kind of capture for a moment that that, that is must also be true that our imaginal the experiencing of the of life and the beauty that we can feel and experience in our bodies when we maybe feel the sun on our face or see the raindrops falling that 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 is also part of the living imaginal right and yeah so and I feel like I want to I can go we could easy and we can go down millions of these currently existing things that are exceptionally painful and difficult but I want I, I also want to at the same time kind of feel into that the other also is possible and as soon as I say the other I'm I'm limiting it it's like the millions of others you know and that kind of excites me in a way and, I, and I'm so I'm, I'm wondering about that um and I, but I, yeah. oh, please say yeah please say because I, well, I, I think wanna... I think it I think it brings us back to the nature connection what what's the what's why is the nature connection why is it important why is thinking about the imaginal and systemic and all that stuff important and and darwin in evolution why do we need to challenge darwin in evolution um because um when we do that when we take away that story of and, we, and it's not like saying it's not like denying the story because it's a piece of the jigsaw you know what darwin discovered was was in, in, in incredible i mean it's a fantastic piece of the story but it's it's only part of the story so if we if we if we approach nature without that or as adolescents or young people we approach nature without that story which is very difficult because that's in all the books and tv programs even right down to kids programs now um and we approach it in an imaginal way we imagine it as we imagine the nature as a as, as an octopus all those connections um and we park our thinking so we're going in with our imagination, which is what children tend to do. Then um, nature begins to that nature begins to those tentacles begin to feed us, and we learn that actually, oh, there's a whole big system here, which is very uh, smart. It's been going on for a very long time. It's super interconnected, and it's been around longer than humans, and it's been around longer than human thinking. And it's been doing its stuff. Um, so if we want to access, you know, um, a, a, another program, different, different, a different movie from the Western world, we can actually do that. And stuff happens. You begin to, in your imagination, you begin to learn things. And and the way to, in, in that imaginal realm, the way we check it out to see what's true and what's just our imagination is you check it out with other people. Oh, did you have that experience? Yeah, I have that as well. Oh, does that happen to you? Yeah, that happened to me. And so that's what indigenous people have been doing for thousands and thousands of years. They've been having these experiences and, and um, cross-referencing cross against other people, parents, grandparents, elders who've also had them. And you see, and you see what I'm finding now is that I'm talking as about indigenous um, people, indigenous ways of thinking, because as a, as a, a white guy, because um, only it's very only recently have indigenous voices come back on the scene because of the whole colonial project. Uh, you know, and there's some fantastic, fantastic thinkers out there now. You know, like Tyson Young Porter, um, and, and you know, uh, who who are really uh, rattling the cage. You know, yeah. in, in a very good way. But I want to say, though, that when you're speaking, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling moved in myself and um, and that's, we are also human, aren't we, as mm. people? Mm. I, feel, I feel incredibly um, aware how 
we haven't listened. <laughs> we just haven't listened. We, we've, we've, you know, we haven't listened to all this wisdom that is here, you know, and, and, uh, and we've really denigrated what isn't thinking into, uh, into something that is, um, not valued by us. So, so I, I mean, there's so much I could say to that as well, but I feel, um, that we all have this capacity to use this imaginal that you're describing and, um, and that this, you know, this is, this feels a really important part of, of, of a time to listen, to learn something different than what we were given. And I guess one thing that brought up feeling in me was also about, again, going back to adolescence and knowing that, you know, you're working as a, as a therapist to, to support, um, to support young people um, and uh, thinking about so many young people um, that I've met, let's say in the system, in the, in, in a school system are struggling. And we're all kind of told that we have to fit into a particular box and regurgitate certain things. And, and again, whilst I'm not diminishing that, that has a place, it almost seems like a parallel to what we're talking about you know, Darwin, Darwinian thinking. It's one way. It's one way, isn't it? It's one way. And and I and I can't help by know you know knowing how the statistics in mental health is through the roof. Um, you know, self harm, suicide, and you're 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 there supporting young people and their their narrative about who they are and what where what they're supposed to be. <laughs> Is 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 very different to what you're saying, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, and I, I, you know, and I, I, you know, and I suppose I, I, and again, sort of bringing it back down to the the the, the, the ground without losing the the sort of ten, tentacular element. You know, part of you know, a part of what I find myself doing in a cam setting is listening to listening to what young people are saying and then beginning to make sense of that help helping them make sense of that in the context of this huge huge system that we're part of and and uh, so and what that looks like is um young people quite often young people have very troubled stories about their own family there, because those are the those are the those are the experiences they've had, if you like. Those are the um, that's what they've been exposed to, whether it's domestic violence or neglect or uh, that 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 kind of thing. So that's shaped their their emotions, their their capacity to feel, um, which is which is influent, which is which is preventing them from going to school or making friends or you know being with being with people that look that are looking after them so it's really helping them um, helping them sort of come out of their come out of their their heads a little bit into their bodies and make sense of what they're what they're thinking and trying to just give trying to bring um a a, a bigger picture that or inviting them into a bit of bigger a, a bigger picture and obviously a, a lot of these deep philosophical um systemic issues don't come into the into the session but they're in they're in my mind so i'm holding them in the, my mind i'm holding the, these young people as as um bigger than they are presenting themselves and of course one of the pieces that I, again I've, I've written about in my in my paper my paper deep donkey is about again about that you know that indigenous knowledge that we've that's been marginalized and you know thought of as imagination is the idea that we are um we are ultimately uh, spiritual beings who are coming to the earth to have an experience and that's that's something that's kind of dropped out of western culture because it's too woo woo but actually pretty much everyone else in the whole of human history have, have, have taken that as a fact because they've had experiences which back that up um so and it's not about believing it or disbelieving it but it's about holding those two stories lightly well is it is it is it possible that human beings are just here for one life and actually there is no there's no systemic connection with anything at all or is it possible that human beings have this 
connection with the spirit world and they've come for a particular mission that we don't quite understand. And so you can just, just hold those ideas lightly, you know, playfully, as we say in family therapy, and see what happens. So it gives you a, it gives you a bigger context for what you're working with, really. Mm. You've talked before to me about this idea of circle of courage and mm-hmm. um, and you've talked about these uh, I don't know what you actually say they are well they they form the the basis of attachment and belonging and I don't want to throw away this the talking about spirit either I really really welcome that um, but could you talk to us a little bit about how perhaps there's another way of looking at mental health and adolescence and, and does that link to this idea of this circle of courage it completely does yes it completely does because the book i mean what the when I, when I started to when i started to explore the boundaries of modernity of the kind of western model when i was i was working with um adolescents at the at the time thinking yeah, that, I, I was working outside, so exposing people to nature and finding actually that they they were, they changed being exposed mm. to nature for long periods of time because of the, I found that connected. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I found that like, too. Oh wow, there's something going on here. This is really no one, never, no one ever told us this. Um, and then coming coming across the work of the, the the School of Lost Borders, which is which which has a, a model, a medicine wheel model, which has a lineage back to indigenous people that taught. At the School of Lost Borders, and then um, coming across this book, Reclaiming Youth at Risk, mm, which, is, which, was, which was the first book that I came across where we had where where I found in, uh, indigenous voices uh, that uh, that had br- br- broken into the, the 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 modernist world and were saying, "Hey, actually, this is a much older model. This is what we're running." And it works really, really well. And it's and it's just you know I use that I have it in my mind all all the time. Um, and it that comes back that comes down to having a completely different model of what it means to be a human being. This is not this is a non-Darwinian model. And the key, I suppose the key piece of it is that the highest the highest context for being an adult is generosity, the giveaway, not accumulation of wealth, status, blah blah blah. It's about giving away to adolescents, to youth, to nature, to the community, mm. um, which kind of spins the whole consumerist world on its head. Um, Absolutely, but it yeah. works really well, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, it's it's a it's a Lakota model. Um, they've been using it for fifteen thousand years, you know. Uh, so. And imme- oh, and immediately it makes me think of that when I said it. It's le- it's a le- you're alone here in the West, aren't we? We're alone. We've got our, we've, we you know we think we are. I, I mean that's just an illusion. But the machine says survive, survive, do what you have to do. And and I don't know that someone's going to be generous to me. I, I don't know that I'm going to be held. I don't know that, you know, you know what I mean? That's, I think that's a fear. It's a fear, right? So when you speak about generosity and being within a system that is generous, I mean, I can see that in the natural world, continue, you know, that continual moving and offering con- constantly. But that's a huge thing, isn't it? Huge. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, uh, it, it, it reminds me of when I was traveling in my, in my early 20s and traveling through, um, Country, uh, Arabic countries in, in in the Middle East and, and North Africa, and uh, um, at that time, and I, I mean, I you know, I, I I still think it's true. I mean, we tend to think that because of Al Qaeda has you know uh, that that's that's painted those cultures in a particular way. But my my experience of them was that um, there was a huge generosity. Everyone would say, "Come, come, stay in my house, come and eat," and that was part of the culture. You know, that was that was a real shock coming from a Christian culture, which was supposed to be Christian, and finding that uh, the Muslim culture was hugely, hugely generous. And and how healing that is to just be accepted for being a human being, for me, was just was tremendous. So, so I have a great love for Arabic culture because of that. Absolutely. So in this model, would you just briefly talk a little bit about the model around uh, – 
particularly around attachment and belonging and just just to give yes. give us a little sense of another way of looking at what it is to be human mm, mm. a kind of shift away mm. from as we said this linear kind of success driven yeah. orientated consumerist model that we're within would you mind yeah yeah so basically the model comes from the solar cross the north the south the east and the west so it's orientated within nature and it's orientated within the seasons the the, the, the year the day uh, the changing seasons and that's and th- those are imaginal experiences that have informed the model so the model it looks like a cross basically with a circle <clears throat> like a celtic cross because we had it here once as well um so it starts in the east morning uh with belonging and so the belonging is not just belonging to your family your nuclear family it's belonging to your wider family it's belonging to your culture it's belonging to nature it's belonging to your land and it's belonging to the ancestral spirits who are part of the part of the show um and um you know we've lost pretty much all of those in camps you know i see people who are you know have small families that are struggling to survive without a without a wider context so that so belonging so belonging attachment you've got to get we we know from from you know psychotherapy you've got to get attachment sorted before anything else absolutely and that and that's quite that's quite hard work and obviously you know a lot of work with adolescents particularly troubled adolescents is about attachment you've got to make that connection you've got to make a therapeutic alliance <clears throat> so once from that quadrant you move into the the bottom the south um which is about um um mastery <laughs> almost forgot that it's about it's about mastery so it's about achieving stuff uh, and that and that involves the body, so it's about achieving stuff with your body primarily. And again, what we know is that once you've got a sense of belonging as a little kid, then you can get into doing stuff. You start running around, and getting into your body, learning how to jump and sing, and uh, and and ultimately, ultimately, um, pr- practical skills, craft things, growing vegetables, hunting painting whatever it whatever it is learning an instrument and all of those things give us a sense of psychological well-being and they also give us a a systemic place in the world we connect with the world through doing stuff with other people again that's quite that's quite difficult in the west because most of schooling is about um intellectual mastery uh, and the body is kind of parked you know we sit down the desk and if you get up got to ask the teacher we're not doing very practical stuff and i suppose that you know the work that i did the work that i did at the college was we spent we flipped that on its head and we the whole time the students were outside doing stuff with adults um moving to the moving to the third quadrant which is about adolescence which is about um autonomy i can do it on my own I, i i've got this i can do this and then once you've done it on your own, you can actually, again, you're a, you're, you're, you know, you cook a meal, you make a present for your granny, or you paint a picture for your mum. You, you, you know, suddenly you're, 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 you're pulling, you're pulling, you're putting yourself back into that sense of belonging. Oh, thanks. This is a great meal. And again, you know, a lot of the young people we work with, um, adolescents, they, who are, who have difficulties say, I really like painting. I want to do child. I really like cooking. I want to be outside. So there's this whole set. They tell us what they need to do. I want to fix bikes. I want to fix cars. I don't want to be in a classroom. They tell us what they what they need to do from a very early age. But there's no structure to do that. No, no, sorry, you've got to get your GCSEs or whatever. <clears throat> and then the fi- the final quadrant, which is the adult quadrant, is generosity, which is b- being able to having having. Developed a sense of belonging, having a, a sense of mastery of ourselves and our bodies and our emotional states, and <clears throat> and then autonomy, having being able to uh, achieve stuff on our own independently. We move to the adult place, which is generosity, which is giving away, which is how can I make an income from my family? How can I support the community? How can I support nature? How can I support? young kids for their sense of longing 
How can I help people master skills? How can I support the adolescents become more autonomous? And because it's an imaginal um, picture, if you like, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper on every level. It's like a fractal. It goes down, 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 down. So, there's this, so, so every, every layer, it's not like, oh, attachment. Yeah, I've, got my, I've done my attachment interview. Now I know what my attachment is. No, no. You've got to go. Attachment is a lifelong thing, as is all the other things, as is generosity. So it's a very, very deep, very, very deep model. And, you know, and reclaiming youth at risk are doing just fantastic work with it. I'll make sure I put all the references that you've spoken about um, into the show notes as well. And it makes me think about that tentacular thing again is like you said, every single bit has a whole kind of wave that 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 reverberates beyond uh, what we've just been talking about it's a huge a huge um just a, it, i i don't even have the words to describe that actually uh, yeah, but it's been exactly. but it, yeah which is exactly it. It, it is actually wordless so i'm just so aware that we've we've almost come to the end of this really uh yeah, far-reaching kind of conversation that in my mind, I mean, I want, I've got so many more things I'd like to ask and maybe I could get you back another time if you'd be willing. Mm, mm, um, yeah, um, and it, I just suppose it's for us, um, when we talk about a lot of these things, um, there's always a, a, an awareness that we've we've come, we've, we've got a, like you say, the ancestors before us, we have all these stories and uh, and the stories that exist uh, that haven't been stories of kindness you know have they they've been quite brutal our history uh, and the trauma that um people are carrying and uh what cultures are carrying and that's that's a very um well there's something well, we we need to talk to that we need to be with that and know know the impact of it and i know that's you you speak in other places very very passionately and 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 help, helpfully about that i think as well but, so is there anything else you'd like to just speak to that kind of that helps us helps us move or work with the truth of that now as we as we are in crisis but but that but there is but we, but here we are living, you know. <laughs> here we are living, and there are many, 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 many millions of people uh, that really, really do want to contribute to the community that's coming, you know. And is there anything you'd like to just share, just to kind of bring us together? Yes, I suppose this the kind of simple, the simple word, word, and simple way of thinking about that is is through healing trauma. And, you know, trauma's really hit the headlines now, you know, with Be- Be- uh, Bessel van der Kolk and uh, Gabor Mate and people like that saying trauma, 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 everyone's traumatized. Uh, and there's a sort of backlag of like, yeah, no, we're not really traumatized. You know, that's kind of snowflake talking. We've got to toughen up, and which is that whole modernity thing again. Um, but I suppose the way I, the way I, the way I experience my, you know, my own trauma and the trauma of the adolescents I work with is it's, it's, it, it, it's something in the body, which is what Bessel van der Kolk talks about, and it prevents us accessing different faculties. And one of the faculties that it prevents us accessing is our hearts, our feelings, um, because we get triggered or we get overwhelmed or we get into go into our heads or we, uh, we dissociate or whatever. And the and the and the thing about the 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 reason the hearts are important as is because that's where that's where all these uh, ancient s- scholars have said. Well, that's where the, that's how you access the imaginal. You have to feel into it. That's where you get. That's where you can get your tentacular thinking. So if you if you can't go into your heart, you can't get into that element of the world. Um, so it means that <clears throat> it's much easier to stay in modernity. So that's really why the healing of trauma is so important. And again, it's I don't think it's so much a therapeutic process it's more of an embodied process and again you know again me speaking for indigenous cultures but i had a uh, um, uh, an indigenous scholar who's going to teach on my course 
um, <clears throat> Michael Yellowbird, Dr. Michael Yellowbird, who is talk who is talking about how the um, how the, the 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 exactly how the mind is being being colonized in the West and and indigenous people have been colonized and how indigenous cultures opened kept open these this heart space through ceremony through dance through skills through being out in nature all the things that we love to do when we're not working um, <laughs> <laughs> but actually uh, you know and all those things that we know adolescents really respond to really really well but they can't do it because they're at school doing their gccs so uh, you know that it, it, that that's that's part of i think that's part of where my focus is because it's uh, and also brings it into the reality of uh, uh, of this time that actually that's what th- those are the people that are coming towards me you know they're people who are carrying trauma and transgenerational trauma and they can't go to school or they can't relate to their mom or their dad or whatever it is so that's 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 a good place to that's a good place to start and, and of course you know in my backpack i have the thing the thinking well there's a whole lot of nature connection stuff that could be useful here but it's it's not in it's not in the mental health conversation mm. yet mm. but it's getting that you know we our work is basically bringing that into the you know joining up these worlds really isn't it yes it is and i i i really know and i guess this is always a call out to listeners that you know this work needs support doesn't it and i know that you have uh, a lot of things that you're trying to do and we'll make sure that that's there's a contact if uh, you know to kind of support some of the things you're trying to do um as well because and, and I, there's something just about if everyone did that little step that little thing mm. then yeah. that tentacular that word that i've now i'm enjoying so much at the moment you know it, ha- it has reverberations doesn't yeah. it yeah, yeah. No, there's another, there's another thing that reminds me of, uh, and again, this is calling out people I know. So Dave Key from New Zealand, who's an eco-psychologist, one of the questions he had, he was asked on one of the courses was, um, how, how do you get into the work? And he said, well, just start. Just start. Just do it. Put, you know, put, you put something in your calendar, invite some people, start. Uh, and the other thing he said, which is, I think is this absolutely essential, is have your own practice. Uh, and that that was a kind of reminder from from Dave, like, oh yeah, it's fine, sort of doing this work for other people, but go into your own practice. And and that over the last since lockdown, really, I, that's what I've been de- I've been doing a deep dive into my own practice. And when you go in there as an old, as an I think as a, you know an older person who's whose family, you, you know, you're not so tied up with family and work as are when you're younger. Um, yeah, it's pretty deep. Stuff, yeah, you know, it really starts to talk to you, and it's like, <laughs> oh no, yeah, this is this is this is real. Well, watch this space. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh well, thank you again, Roger. It's been you know a delight to have you on this show. Take care. Bye. Thanks for speaking to me today, Roger. Join me next week for episode twenty-four, the last episode in season three. We've done a lot of thinking in this season, looking at values and stories that lie beneath our culture, education and health models. But it's important to me to also take more practical, actionable steps. The thinking bit isn't for everyone, though my intention is to make some of the harder to reach information more accessible. Next week, I'll be sharing about why education needs to be more experiential and practical. In particular, my work with the outdoor teacher and forest school. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wild Minds podcast. If you enjoyed it and want to help support this podcast, please subscribe, share and leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Your review will help others find the show. To stay updated with the Wild Minds podcast and get all the behind the scenes content, you can visit theoutdoorteacher.com or follow me on Facebook at The Outdoor Teacher UK and LinkedIn Marina Robb. The music was written and performed by Jeff Robb. See you next week, same time, same place.
Are you curious about the guitar music in my podcast? It's actually my husband, Jeff Robb. He's taking his woodland-inspired show, The Music of Trees, on tour in England and Wales this May, June and July. Get tickets at jeffrobb.com slash shows. Mm-hmm.